Hey, uh, I'm Lance, pastor here at Falls Church. So glad that you have made worship a priority in your in your day and hopefully in your life. Uh, we are continuing a series called Jesus, the King of Kings. And really, it's been a study of the kings of Israel, mostly King David, but um, keeping a conscious effort that uh, everything we do is going to link and tie to the Lord Jesus Christ and is relevant to today in our lives. So I've kind of subtitled this message, uh, Culture of Courage, as we're in 2 Samuel 23 this week, 22 last week, 21 the week before that. But the devastating floods in Texas have dominated the news cycles, and rightfully so. To see raging waters rip through years of people's homes and businesses and neighborhoods, you know, it's shocking when you try to put yourself in, in, in their place, although we can't, but... We try to connect a little. I, I know how frustrated folks get when they have to wait in line to get their cell phone glitches figured out. You know what I'm saying? How many, how many have had cell phone rage before? You know what phone rage is. Only a couple. They're like, I know we're supposed to be Christians, but, uh, you know, uh, so we can get frustrated in small things like that, let alone all our possessions floating down the middle of a street or where we kind of finally get some rest to lay down in a bed and that's gone and there's no more, you know, private shower. I can't imagine. I don't really want to imagine that, but I, I feel. The far-reaching effects are not yet known, but the death count has uh, topped at, at this point some 40 fatalities because of Hurricane Harvey. But a friend asked me if I knew about the floods that were killing thousands in Asia. And I said, no, I had no idea. So I looked it up. We have some friends who are missionaries in New Delhi, right, Joan? Uh, I think uh, Greg from, anyway, but was in New Delhi. The most devastating floods to hit South Asia in a decade have affected 40 million people at the same time. Millions without a home, without food or water, and the death toll there at the same time as Hurricane Harvey really is unfolding, has eclipsed 1,400 people that they know about. And honestly, I had no idea that that many people had been dying because of floods in Asia. And the tragic 40 fatalities from the floodwater Hurricane Harvey have kind of kept me in the dark about others that are suffering and some 35 times as many people. Because sometimes news travels fast, and other times, depending on what's happened, one can feel completely shielded and out in the dark about both tragedy and triumphs that are happening somewhere else outside of our news cycle. And the kingdom of God, when you read the chronicles within the scripture, are filled with folks who have risked their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible alone records hundreds and really thousands who were, uh, have been affected and, and given their life for their faith in God. And then outside of the Bible now, for these last 2,000 years of history, uh, historians have recorded valiant heroes of the faith, thousands of people of conviction who've stood up to the empires of darkness. And those are the ones we often hear about that movies are made about or read books that chronicle their faith of standing up to adversity. So the ones we know about that have made the, the, the great movies or, or great books or, or great illustrations and sermons through the years that you've heard about, imagine those then that you hadn't heard about. Imagine 
the courage of Jesus Christ resting on believers for 2,000 years. And we read the Bible and other historical recordings, and there are some pretty amazing testimonies of saints risking their lives for Jesus Christ. And as a matter of fact, the people of God have maintained a culture of courage from the beginning of their deliverance from Egypt. Had fear ruled them from time to time, and does fear get the best of us from time to time? Excuse me. It absolutely does. Um, in my brain, when I even think about Scripture, I kind of imagine Gideon and the, the fear that God's people were, were walking in in that time and hiding behind the wine press, you know, trying to gather a little bit without uh, realizing he's out in the open, so to speak, and he had risked his life from, from raiding bandits of their enemies. A time in the kingdom where their disobedience had brought calamity upon the people of God. And as we've been studying, King David, on the other hand, showed off-the-charts courage standing up to Goliath, going toe-to-toe with the enemies of the Lord and killing thousands single-handedly. They were singing songs about David, right? Killing his ten thousands and Saul killing his thousands. So there were some proud moments, but there were less, less uh, stellar moments. David hiding from Saul in, in fear. Uh, David's village ransacked and his family kidnapped. David being run out of the palace by his rebellious and deceitful son because of his own sin. (coughs) The ability to walk in purity without punishment for sin has been a constant struggle as the people of God for generations. Today we walk in a dispensation of grace. Grace. Grace, God's grace, a very popular anthem throughout modern Christianity and a very welcomed message that there is good news, that God loves, that God died for our sins, that you have the grace of God all over you, that you can now join his family and be blessed and called out of darkness to shine in these last great days. (coughs) And I'm in 100% agreement with that message. And let's add to it that we serve a holy, awesome God who is perfect and is calling his family close to him to walk in the light, to say no to darkness, to say no to the desires of the flesh, to battle the forces of darkness, to represent him in these last great days, these times of perversion, of materialism, and the pride of life. Because it appears at times as a society that we've created a culture of victims. Everyone has a good excuse for their behavior. They're not connected to a church because of the way they grew up. You see, their family went to church and acted all holy at church, but at home, dad was cruel and demanding and a certified grade A hypocrite. You were probably thinking something other words, but... Too often we sympathize with those unfortunate who were raised by flawed sinners as if it was a good enough reason for them to ignore a holy God, a perfect Savior, Jesus Christ, and the believers who are called to serve him together as many members, one body where Christ is the head. Amen? And can I say that lost is lost? 
You didn't steal that from my script, Dave. And found is found. And either you've been found and served together with his people, or you're on your own serving yourself with a pile of excuses, none that have anything to do with God and his son Jesus acting inappropriately. Can you imagine the people of God throughout history? Can you imagine the Jewish nation, individuals saying to this village of people that corporately lived and worshiped God together? Can you can you imagine them saying a statement like, I'm not going to worship God. I'm not going to observe the Sabbath because, you know, the king's been acting hypocritically. So I'm not going to worship. I'm not going to this holy place. Okay, we'll step outside of the town because we're all going to stone you to death, you know. And I fear that we have hungered to fill our seats and grow our churches so desperately that we've developed a catering service to do more and more for people and make their journey with Christ as easy and as simple as possible. And we have to change the direction. King David created a culture of courage, people ready to give their lives for the kingdom. And we need radicals engaged in the Jesus mission, people who are serving God because of who he is and not because their pastor is great or not because their church facility are awesome is awesome or not because the people in the church even treat them wonderfully and respect them and understand them. And, and, and you know, of the things King David did right, he created a culture of courage and of action. They were not a bunch of talk, talk, talk people that stood idly by thinking someone, someone ought to do something. Uh, You know, I've noticed something needs to be done. Or can you believe that no one is standing up to those that are mocking the Lord? Because David was not the only one who faced a monster of darkness. There's strong evidence that David fostered this culture of courage during his rule And there are examples of inspiration today we're going to read about in 2 Samuel 23. So when I return, we'll read uh, the inspiring stories of David's leaders who uh, flash signs of reckless, miraculous faith. They stepped out and God did the rest. Will you stand with me? Thank you, Lord for the opportunity to gather as the people of God today in this place. We pray that as we sing, pray, bow before you, raise our hands, however it manifests that this whole day, that this could be a a moment of worship, that we could laugh together, pray together, cry together as your people gathered in your name to bring you glory through our voices, through our the what we do with our hands, where where our feet go. May you direct our paths in Jesus' name. Amen. What might a culture of courage look like? Can I be honest? That the world is not interested in your courageous behavior in Jesus Christ. They're not interested. This was, uh, uh, ran into this, uh, uh, the late uh, Justice Scalia. God assumed from the beginning that the wise of the world would view Christians as fools, and he has not been disappointed. 
If I have brought any message today, it is this. Have the courage to have your wisdom regarded as stupidity. Be fools for Christ and have the courage to suffer the contempt of the sophisticated world. When I was a teenager, courageous faith meant you're out on the streets, street witnessing, okay? And maybe the era of cold call street witnessing was energy maybe pointed in the wrong direction, but it was an effort with a purpose of being light in the middle of darkness. And maybe jumping into somebody's personal space unannounced without relationship, you know, was at times intrusive, but not the heart of those attempting to share that good news. Maybe megaphone guy could have been the hands and feet of Jesus in a more practical and relational way. But what I appreciated was there was action and effort and a willingness to be a fool for Jesus. It's hard to take the passion that the Scripture and the Holy Spirit in, inspires in a life and bottle it up in tidy, efficient, and measurable efforts and then be able to spot that measurable impact, you know, as, as the side effect of your efforts. I stopped by the school Brianna, Brianna asked me if I could stop over at her Christian school, and she said, yeah, uh, and I, I showed up at the wrong time, and I wanted to talk to her, and they said, no, uh, they're in chapel. So I was like, ah. But, matter of fact, you, I, I think you were there, Carly. <laughs> at first priority, John was speaking, and there was a guy on the guitar and the piano, and they were worshiping right out in the middle of the gym floor, and then the, the whole bleachers were packed. Was it 6th, 7th, and 8th, or 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th? What was it? Do you know what age? 6 through 12. So, but I got in where I saw the end was 6th, 7th, and 8th graders for sure. There weren't any, you know, high schoolers. There were no, you know, um, big people. <laughs> but I just came in from the side, thought, oh, chapel's going on. I hear the worship. I'll just peek in. Maybe I'll see Brianna. I didn't go all the way around because, you know, her dad's old and my, my hair's too cool for school. And uh, so I wasn't going to embarrass her, but I thought I'd just peek in. And all I caught was like the silhouette of like, man, I must have caught like a hundred faces all at once while these people are just worshiping, engaged out in the middle. A hundred kids at once going like, when's this over? You know? And I don't want to pick on them because, you know, like God igniting a young person's life, you know, authentically, you know, we're believing it's going to happen. And I think, you know, it's not... You know, I look at my life as a teenager, and I was far from even being respectful during a worship time, so I'm not going to pick on them. But it is difficult to continue to cultivate passion, right, and, and, and reckless abandonment for God day after day, week after week, year after year. We're so susceptible to transitioning from being light and loving the world for Jesus into walking in the light, for our own enjoyment, disengaged from the mission of Jesus because we have a lot to do, because we have a lot going on already, because there are a lot of things that have to be done to keep a family going, to keep a life going. It's a real struggle to stay courageous in your faith with tact, in a loving way, in a culture of political and social correctness run amok. 
And we need the help of the Holy Spirit as much as ever in as believers to walk in the courage of the scripture. Second Samuel t- uh, 22, David's mighty men. Verse eight says, these are the names of David's mighty warriors. Josheb, Bashabeth, a Tecumanite, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. It's a great passage. Read it. Read the whole chapter because it, it get, I won't have time to read all the highlights of these great men of faith that worked and walked alongside of and believed alongside of people like King David, which we've heard a lot of his life and times. But it takes godly courage when you're facing overwhelming odds. 800 men, 800 to 1. Now, those fictitious Jackie Chan movies, that's only like 25 and 50 to 1, you know. Uh, You know, Bruce Lee, you know, 50 to 1, you know. 800 to 1. Josheb, Bashabeth. And honestly, for him, it was an average day. Not even a test, because First Chronicles tells the stories as well, and First Chronicles uses a few different words. It says, these are the men who came to David. They were armed with bows and able to shoot arrows and sling stones right or left-handed. They were brave warriors, verse 8 of First Chronicles 12, ready for battle, able to handle a shield and spear. Their faces were like faces of lions, and they were swift as gazelles in the mountains. Verse 14 says, the least was a match for a hundred, and the greatest a match for a thousand. So of God's mighty warriors, he's saying, of the very, the very entry level of these mighty warriors, a hundred to one odds, it, it, they would overcome it. But to the best of the best of David's men, it was a thousand to one. And Josheb is listed as one of the three of the, the, the ones of the greatest honor of David's men. So, He's in the category of 1,000 to 1 for sure. So 800? I mean, he's not even using all the power bar on his, you know, little joystick there. He didn't even have to use Turbo Boost. We were talking about it at lunch yesterday, and Joan said, yeah, how could one guy do that? How could one guy do that? Like a thousand, eight hundred, eight hundred, eight hundred to one. How could one guy do that? You know, one guy can. One God can. And he doesn't even doesn't even need the guy. Okay. <laughs> Overwhelming odds just prove that there's a God. The greater the odds, the greater the evidence that go. Wow, we serve a mighty God. Verse 8, 2 Samuel 23. I think I said 22. I may have said 22 on the screen. Whatever. Okay. Okay. Next to him was Eliezer. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines uh, for battle. And then the Israelites retreated. But Eliezer stood his ground and struck down the, the Philistines till his hand grew tired and, the, and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eliezer, but only to strip the dead. Imagine, we don't know the exact setting here, but it kind of paints a picture like 
They're gathering for war. They're even mocking the Philistines. Yeah, okay, our God's greater than you. How dare you mock him? You're all dead. And the Philistines start to charge. And then the Israelites uh, get nervous, you know, and they start backing up. But Eliezer doesn't. He's cheering, yeah, for the Lord, for Israel. And they're all like, yeah, for the Lord, for Israel. And all of a sudden, he notices, like, nobody else is cheering. Yeah, they're charging us. And he's racing for impact. Yeah, but there's nobody else. And he looks left, right. They're gone. He looks back. They're all running that way, <laughs> you know. Hey, wait a minute. But he, but, but he, but he stands his ground, right? And, and I, I don't know, I, you know, in that moment, do you look back and go, oh, wait, 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 did, did, did the Lord speak to one of the prophets, some men of God, were we supposed to, was this not the time? Because sometimes the Lord said, don't, don't go into battle, this won't be good for you, and other times he said, yes, you, you will win and go forward, so we, we, don't, we don't know for sure, but here he is full of faith and passion, yelling at the top of his lungs, and, and, and everybody else is running the other way. You look to your right and your left, and you're all alone, you look around, they're running the other direction, they're running backwards, and you stand alone that was Eliezer's response whenever everyone else thinks standing up is unwise this isn't the moment we're outmatched uh, we're not sure the Lord's in this we might lose. We might lose our job. We might lose our business if we, we, we speak up in that way. We might endanger uh, some clients. We might endanger our inheritance if we speak that way. If we speak up, Eliezer was a, against a whole army. And by the time the armies of the Lord returned, he defeated the whole force assembled against them. And there was only one thing left to do. Go through his pockets and look for loose change. So, so the scripture says that they, 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 they sneak back, they creep back in, and, and they go like, wow, look at all these dead, the carcasses of the Philistine armies are just spread out there already, you know, get those swords, get the, you know, check their money pouches, you know, get all that good stuff. Great job, Eliezer. We were with you the whole way. It was awesome. We, I know you look like we were running, but we just backed up. We, we had your back. We were just, you know, backing up there, and we were ready. And then we saw, wow, God was using you, and, and it, was, it was amazing. Can I have that watch? Verse 11, next to him was Shema, son of Agi, the, the Hararite. And when the Philistines banded together at a place, and there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them, but Shema took his stand in the middle of the field. He def defended it, and he struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. Shema faces armies. Ban armies have banded together. What does that mean? Like, things looked maybe a little bit out of proportion, but their enemies get this idea. You know what? If we gather, you know, some forces together, we join this battalion with this battalion, and we join these armies with this armies, will far overwhelm them. And they did. They, they got this band of brothers together so that they had overwhelming odds so that, so that they could win. And Shema faces the banding armies that are set to run over Israel and really steal their harvest, endanger the future of their families, what, what they'll have to eat their crops. And the, the armies of the Lord saw that they were no match, so, so they fled. But Shema determined that he would defend. 
one person defending an injustice can turn catastrophic loss into victory. When D.L. Moody visited an evangelist, Henry Varley, on a park bench in Dublin, Ireland, they had a conversation on what it would take to become a mighty man of God. And the evangelist said, the world has not yet seen what God will do with and for and through and in and by the man who is fully consecrated to him. And D.L. Moody's infamous response was, by God's grace, I will be that man. You know what that is not? That is not an attitude like, I just want to get to heaven. When heaven is your goal, like, I just want to escape hell and I just want to get to heaven. Heaven is not a reward of religious people who try to do the minimum. It's part of a package deal of knowing God, of dying to self, of walking with God, of making his mission your highest priority. Now and heaven is just a transition of a relationship and a, and a closeness to God where you transition into a relationship you have on earth. You transition into a relationship into eternity. That's what heaven is for, a transition of a relationship of the people who love God and now get to be with him. They love him here on earth. They worship him here on earth. They want to be close to him here on earth. And now in heaven, they get their reward to worship him, to be near him, to be close to him, to hear his voice. I don't have time to go through it all, but... Great chapter, verse 18 says, goes on to just list the others who, uh, Abishai, who raised a spear against a hundred men whom he killed. <laughs> he was just as famous, it says, as, as the three, but he wasn't held in the greatest honors of three. He became their commander, even though he was not included among the three closest or, or, or most uh, decorated of David's mighty men. Beniah, son of Jehoiada. Valiant fighter, performed great exploits. He struck down Moabites, two mightiest warriors. He also went down to the pit on a snowy day, killed a lion. He struck down a huge Egyptian, although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand. Benaiah went against him with a club, and he snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand, and he killed him with his own spear. Hey, thank you. Such were the exploits of Benaiah. He's famous, but not as famous as the three other warriors. But he was held in greater honor than others. He was not included among the three, but David put him in charge as his personal bodyguard. <laughs> among the 30, Asahel, the brother of Joab, Shema, the Hedorah, Elikah, the Hedorah. It goes just goes on, starts to listen. This is all these great, difficult Hebrew names to pronounce, I won't say, but. Verse 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 30, uh, listing all 37 other mighty men who did great exploits. That the least of this name killed 101, 
the best of thousand to one. And I love verse 39. It says, Uriah the Hittite. Not mentioned sometimes by the writer of this, King David, and some of you know why. But King David had created a culture of courage. We started with Joshab. He takes godly courage when you face overwhelming odds. Eliezer, it takes godly courage to stand when everybody else goes the other direction. And Shema, it takes godly courage to defend an injustice of the weak. And more than ever, we need the courageous to rise up out of their pews, off of their blue padded chairs with power lumbar. Some of you are looking for the button right now. To engage our culture at every level. To represent the name of Jesus Christ. To risk it all for Jesus is Christianity 101. You think it's for the advanced holy? You think it's for, the, for, for those who really got it, who, who've matured and understand it? No, it's the beginning. If you don't have that, you don't have the life that Jesus Christ is talking about. You've settled for a, a little compartmentalized Christianity that you might add that to your life while you keep building your own kingdom and your kingdom will be over when this life's over. The kingdom of God transitions for all eternity. Will you stand with me? Would you just bow your head in these last moments? There's nothing magical about it. I just don't want you to be distracted by anybody else. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Just in this last moment, if that's you here today and you're saying, wow, I've I found myself um, slipping in and blending in in this world. I mean, I'm a, I might even be a camouflaged Christian, and, and I'm going to look this week for places and times and moments. I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit this week. I'm going to ask God to help me to be courageous this week. Uh, how many would say, I, I would be open to that. I'm going to count to three, and when I get to three, I just want you to shoot your hand and say, count me in. I'm going to look for moments. I'm going to look for places of injustice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for moments where my voice or, or my energy could be spent in a way that, that impacts, that makes a difference, that, I, that I'm going to overcome this fear stepping out in the name of Jesus. And if that's you, one, you don't, you don't care what anybody else thinks. You know courage. It takes godly courage against overwhelming odds. One. Two, you, you're ready. Even if no one else will, you're saying, I will. I will speak up if I need to. I will. If God prompts me, I will act. I will speak. I will do. Are you ready? One. You don't care what anybody else thinks. Two, you say, that's me. Are you ready? Shoot those hands up. One, two, three. Lord, count me in. Lord, count me in. God, by your grace, God, by your power, God, you have forgiven. You have given me life and breath and purpose. And 
And I want to be open to your Holy Spirit leading this week. Holy Spirit, we give you permission. You see our hands up, and some might even not might not even raise their hands until tonight as they look up into heaven. They're laying in bed and they look up to the the drywall, and they see beyond the sheetrock and the roof trusses and the shingles, and and their focus is on you. Holy Spirit, prompt your people to walk by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask Libby and Dave, Joan, Randy, could you sneak out here, just be out here to pray with folks and and we're, I want to pray a prayer of dismissal, but if you you want prayer, something specific, maybe there's something really big you're facing that you want somebody you want somebody to agree in in prayer, or or you you need healing yet. You want to pray. We believe in the miraculous power of healing. But Father, as we go from this place, or as we just linger a little longer as the family of God, would Your Spirit continue to be here in our fellowship? And and we know You are here. And as we arrived, would You be with us as we depart? Or in the lobby. Help us, God, to be people who love you, who aren't easily offended, but are friendly and forgiving to those around us, around this. May this place be a place of prayer dedicated to you in Jesus' name. And all the church said, God bless you. You can find us online at falls.church or by searching Facebook at facebook.com slash fallschurch.sf.